Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Going to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 to a very familiar passage of scripture, but uh, it's a powerful one, one that we should revisit quite frequently. The book of Hebrews chapter 1, or chapter 12 and verse 1 rather, Hebrews chapter 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great, somebody say, so great, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which this so easily beset us, and let us run, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured. The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your own mind. This morning my assignment with you is resilient faith. Everybody say resilient faith. Heavenly Father, we love you today. Thank you, Lord, for this gathering. What a tremendous group, oh God, we have come, Lord, into your name and into your place. We give you praise today. I pray, God, that your word would be, Lord, indeed a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. God, but let us follow that light. Let us walk in that light today. As your word comes to us, reveal yourself to us. In your word, in Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I told Brother Brandon last night, I said, I have deceptive speed. I'm slower than I look. <laughs> I never was a 100-meter dash kind of guy. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I hated running. I run all day playing basketball. I run all day playing football, whatever, but just to run makes no sense to me. <laughs> just to run for running's sake. Yet this life that we're in is a race, and we're running. You're running. You are running today, whether you realize it or not. But living for God is not a 100-meter dash. It's not a quick sprint. It's not about those quick bursts of, whoo, fast, headed out there. But rather, the race we are running today is a lifelong marathon. Amen. This race is about 
having the faith to keep running when the excuses to acquit are really easy before us. While there are moments of grandeur, while there are moments of excitement, and while there can be bursts of energy, and, and some days we're feeling like, I can run this race with no problem. And other days, it's a challenge. Amen. This race is about diligence. It's not about style. It's about diligence. It's about perseverance. It's about consistency. It is about enduring the race that we're running. It is not only important that we run this race, but it is important that we stay faithful in that race. Sometimes this race is permeated with challenges and obstacles and hardships and, and situations that, that kind of feel like it makes the running the race tough. We got hills to climb. We got valleys to go through. And, and wouldn't it be great if we were just simply running on a track somewhere that had perfect uh, uh, sym symmetry and had perfectly was, was leaning to our race and everything was fine. But no, this is a, a marathon we're in. This is a lifelong excursion when you live for the Lord. The writer, the preacher of Ecclesiastes put it like this in 9-11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to us all. The race is not to the swift. The, the battle is not to the strong. Amen. You, you, you joined when you became a, a spirit-filled believer, water baptized in the lovely name of the Lord. You joined a race. You joined a journey. You joined an adventure. And the writer of Hebrews says that race is set before you. Job said it like this. He knows the way that I take. He knows where I'm going. He knows where I'm heading. Amen. This race of life is not run in pristine condition. It's ups and downs. It's hills and valleys. It's, it's twists and turns. It's in and out. That is the race that you're running. Amen. We need to lay aside, therefore, all the weight, every weight, every hindrance, everything that impedes our progress. We need to lay aside every weight and every sin we need to put aside because this is not an easy race if you just, if you just think that you'll just get by, by, by just running here and there every now and then. I know I'll be like the hare. I'll run quickly and then I'll rest. I'll run quickly and then i rest. No, God's example is those that will run faithfully, consistently, diligently run this race. We are living in a culture that is about giving up, giving in, and if the devil can't get you to give up, he will get you to feel like you're canceled, that you're not worthy, that you don't belong in this race. So give up or I'll make you feel canceled, that you are not a part of this. I want to tell you today that can't nobody count cancel you. Nobody can cancel you. Nobody can give up but you. Right. But we need resilience. 
The word resilient means recovering readily from adversity, depression, or like. It is the capable capability to withstand shock without permanently being deformed or ruptured. It's, it's that ability to spring back. It's that ability to recover after a misfortune or a change. Amen. We need a faith today because we're going to face things that we're going to have to have resilience. We're going to have to have that bounce back ability. We're going to have to have that moments of saying, I'm running even if I don't feel like it. I'm running even if I'm facing adversity. I'm running even if things are not going my way. I refuse to give up. I want to have resilient faith. I've shared with this with you before, but let me share it again. In the Boston Marathon, there is a legendary obstacle called Heartbreak Hill, starting at mile 13 of the Boston race course. <clears throat> there are a number of hills that climax at mile 19 with this Heartbreak Hill. It's, it's the longest and steepest in the race. What makes this hill so difficult and worse is that world-class runners experience, they tell me, world-class runners, which I am not. I had to study this. I know that's shocking to you. But uh, about mile 18 or 19, they do what they call hit the wall, that they're hitting the wall. Hitting the wall occurs when the body has been depleted of glycan, the energy stored in the muscles. Uh, And glycogen has been replaced with lactin acid, which is like poison. So at this point, uh, they are losing their energy. At this point, they are losing their strength, uh, and it's being replaced with something that is draining. Amen. I believe when COVID hit, uh, it was like the heartbreak hill. When we had all these things uh, that have come against us, uh, and if you think that we're just not dealing with anything like that now, I'm telling you, we're dealing with the after effects. We're dealing with the emotional situation. We're dealing with the mental issues. We're dealing still yet with churches that are having to cancel their services because of this mess. It's a hill that we hit. It's a hill that we come against. It's an issue that we come against. And we got to learn to say, I've got to keep running and be resilient. It is at Heartbreak Hill that the mind starts to get cloudy, they tell us, and one can have trouble thinking clearly. Many Boston marathons have been won or lost on this place called Heartbreak Hill. How did it get its name? In 1936, Boston Marathon, uh, in the 1936 Boston Marathon, Eliza Brown was leading the race as it entered into the stretch through the four hills of Newton Highlands. That's when defending champion Johnny Kelly put on a burst of speed, caught up to, uh, they called him Tarzan Brown, and giving Tarzan a, a conciliatory pat on the back, zoomed past him toward the fourth hill. Well, losing the lead was bad enough, but being patted on the back, that messes with you. That messes with you. I don't know about you ladies, but boy, that messes with us men. 
You're not only passing me up, but you're just giving me a little bit of a trash talk as well. That gesture by Johnny Kelly ignited Tarzan Brown's competitive juices, and he took off after Mr. Kelly, catching him up uh, midway up the last hill. We find that Tarzan Kelly pulled away and went on to win the 1936 Boston Marathon. The next day, Boston Globe reporter Jerry Nason described the experience as breaking Johnny Kelly's heart, and therefore it became known as Heartbreak Hill. I want to tell you, I want the devil to know that that which he puts in front of me to try to hinder me and that which he says I can never get over and I can never get past is his heartbreak hill. I want to tell the devil today, I'm not giving up in 22. I'm not giving up my faith, amen, in this hour, but I am going to persevere with resilient faith. Resilience. Resilience is when something awful happens and you bounce back. When depression comes and you bounce back. Amen. Resilience is when things press against you and you get right back to shape. You get back up again. It's overcoming and recovering from some misfortune or some issue that has come before us. And so the writer of Hebrews says, Wherefore, Hebrews 12 and 1, he says, wherefore. Everybody say, wherefore. <clears throat> then that means it's connected to the verses before that. If you go before that, you will find in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, you will find the wherefores. What is he connecting it to? He's connecting to statements like, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice to God. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was found not because God translated him. By faith, Noah built an ark to the saving of his family and to the rest of the world, if you please. By faith, Abraham obeyed when God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. By faith, God gave Sarah power to conceive, even though she was well past years. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested to offer up Isaac, believing that God would raise him up, he went and did it anyway, and God helped him. By faith, Isaac believed and blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph saw the exodus before it ever happened. By faith, Moses hid at birth. By faith, he refused to be called Pharaoh's grandson. By faith, he chose. Somebody say, he chose. He chose the afflictions of the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sins for a season. By faith, he chose the reproach of Christ, a greater treasure than the riches of Egypt. By faith, God's people walked across dry land at the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Rahab the harlot, amen, her wall did not fall down. By faith, resilient faith, 
every one of these face something and they overcome it by faith. It's that get back up kind of faith. It's that I refuse to stay down. Get him back up. <clears throat> Resilient faith. The wherefore of Hebrews 12 refers to verses like 11 and 32 of Hebrews. What shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson of Jephthah of David, also of Samuel of the prophet who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness was made strong, waxed valiant in fight. A man turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Somebody say, by faith. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. You know who these people are? They're the ones in the stands. That are saying to you and to me come on get up get up you can make it come on have some resilience in your life <laughs> by faith by faith praise God then the word the word says in verse 38 of whom the world was not worthy not worthy they wandered in deserts it wasn't a resort either they wandered in mountains wasn't Gatlinburg they wandered in dens and caves wasn't Carlsbad it was a rough life all these having obtained a good report through through faith received not the promise Woo! If they did it without the promise, how about you and me who have the promise? How about you and me who have the promise of the Father who is filled with his spirit? Amen. It's time to quit listening to the naysayers of hell. It's time to quit watching those that have fallen, walked away from God, that have quit, that have messed up, and simply say yes for everyone that has fallen, for everyone that has messed up. There are thousands upon thousands that are still running the race. There are thousands upon thousands that are still running the race. There are thousands upon thousands. Wherefore, let us lay aside. Wherefore, let's run this race that is set before us with patience, looking to Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus. That's what resilient faith does. Resilient faith doesn't get caught up in news, doesn't get caught up in, can I just stop here and say, you better vote in November. If you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain. 
Praise God. If you want to know how to vote, you can come see me later. <laughs> vote. But I'm going to say this very clearly. The kingdom is not the United States. My investment is not in the government of that which I live. My investment is in the kingdom of God. My trust and I run not because I think my government is going to help me. Mm. Don't have a whole lot of trust there. But I do trust the one that has never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's been with me through everything. So I need to have the resilience to say when I get knocked down, I am not stopping. I'm getting back up and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to run this race. I might be passed by people that are faster than me. But when I get to my heartbreak hill, I'm going to persevere. I've got to have the resilience to say, I'm making it. I'm making it. I'm making it. Devil, look how far I come, and he brought me this far. I will go on, amen, with resilient faith. Winston Churchill made this statement. I like it. He said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Faith says, I get up and say every day, I'm going to be all right. I know if I don't feel good, I know if I'm having issues, I'm still going to be all right. Faith says, God, you've got this. And then I hear from the distance. I hear those that have passed on from MPC that have made their way to glory. Standing in the stands of heaven, hollering out to you and to me, come on, come on, come on, don't give up. I hear my dad and my mom, come on, son, come on, run this race. I hear uh, Brother Shepherd, and amen, come on, you can run this race. I hear those that have gone before us, yes, you can run, you name in the names, you put them in your head. And you can think of many that used to sit on the pews of MPC, but they've gone on before us and they ran it. Hallelujah. What kind of excuse are we going to have when we say, well, it got too hard for me? It got too hard for me. Get up and run again. Get up and run again. I have good news for you today. I have really good news for you. Especially to those that have a little bit of age on them. I got some real good news for you. Are you ready? The race doesn't get easier. You just learn after you've run a while to just keep on pushing. You just learn to persevere. Hallelujah. You learn that I'm going to, no matter what the devil says, I'm going to win. I'm going to make it. No matter how much he pats me on the back and say, look here, you're a loser. Mm -mm. I'm going to just keep on, keep on running. (laughs) Jacob is one of the most colorful characters within that context of of, uh, the Heroes Hall of Fame. I mean, 
Y'all, there are certain parts of it about Jacob that I aspire to want to be in, but not most of them. He was a con artist. He was a heel catcher, supplanter. He was a trickster, a huckster, a conniver. But he's in face Hall of Fame. <laughs> Brother Chris, it's hope for me. Jacob pursued the birthright and the blessing. From the very first time, his hand reached out of his mother's womb. I'm going after it. He used his ingenuity and his tenacity and his skill to get a plan together, to gain advantage over people, to win out over people. You see, Jacob was going to win no matter what. How many of you have those kind of folks that you play Scrabble with? <clears throat> Don't point fingers. I see Jacob in, in, in his qualities as a go-getter. He's an entrepreneur. He's a consummate deal-maker. I'm sorry, Donald Trump, you weren't the first original guy of the deal, art of the deal. Jacob was that. He was the art of the deal. He wanted the family birthright, so he fast-talked his brother out of the birthright. He was willing to go to extreme measures to secure the family's blessing. He was willing to risk present peril for the success of his future. Amen? We find that Jacob worked seven years to get the woman he loved. Just let that sink in. He worked seven years. Well, I can't wait. <clears throat> I'm telling you, he was hooked, but he worked seven years to get the woman of love, and when he went into the marriage after the wedding and the veil was removed, it was not, oh, honey. It was, oh, no. His father-in-law put a switcheroo and put tender-eyed Leah in with him and, and, and he'd already confirmed the marriage and now he works another seven years to get the one that he works, uh, that he loves. And Jacob is a, a, a very shrewd conniver and work. And even when Laban changed Jacob's wages 10 times, Jacob found a way, the Bible says, to take hold of his blessing. Jacob is constantly getting a leg up on this race of life. And after 20 years of absence, he had run from his brother, Esau, that was going to kill him, and he comes back, and now he's got to face the music, now he's got to face Esau, and now he's got to face his situation, and he becomes desperate because he can't wiggle out of this. Because his, his servants come to, to Jacob and said, we found Esau, and he's coming to visit you. Oh, by the way, he's got 400 men with him. I don't sound like a Christmas party to me. <clears throat> Jacob, scared, panicked. He divided his people, his sheep and his cattle into two camps. That's his plan. He said, if Esau comes to the first camp and attacks it, the other camp can get away. 
And so Jacob begins to think, how can I, how can I connive my way out of this? How can I get my way out of this? I know I'll send to Esau 200 female goats and 20 male goats and 200 ewes and 20 rams, the art of the deal. Uh, uh, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10, donkey, uh, 10 male donkeys. Amen. At the price of today's commodity, that is somewhere around $700,000 worth of gifts. He tries to get his way out of getting met with, with his brother. He, he, he says, I, I, I got I to figure this out. Amen. I want to tell you there are things in your life that you can never wiggle your way out of. You can't connive your way out of. You can't scheme your way out of. You can't figure it out. It happened to you. You are in it. And so you can't, you, you, you just can't roll the dice and everything go okay. So what do you do? You're all alone now with just you and God, just you and the Lord. And you got to deal with that. There are times that things happen to our life when we become so, so weighted down by life and the world that we think about it, to, I could quit. It'd be really easy to quit when the death of a loved one comes and devastates us. It would be really easy to quit when our dreams have been crushed or a demonic attack comes upon your mind or the bitter wounds of a friend come against you. Amen. The, the failure of, of some kind of business venture or ministry endeavor comes at you. The turmoil that you have in your home or in the pew, a marriage that's on the rocks. Amen. A lost soul that you're grieving over. The spirit of the age that we're dealing with on and on and on and on there are reasons to get off the race but I, what we need today is we need resilient faith that says though he slay me yet will I trust him though I go through the darkest of times I'm not giving up though I go through the bleakest of hours I'm not giving up I have resilient twins have some toys that have these little things you poke and they pop right back up you poke it and it pops right back you poke it that's the kind of Christians we need in this hour the devil pokes you I pop right back up Amen. The devil comes in and tries to get you discouraged. Amen. And, and heavy laden and all down with the cares of this life. Amen. Can I just tell you, you pop right back up when you have resilient faith. You thought you had me, but hey, I'm running. I'm still moving. I might have deceptive speed and I'm slower than I look, but I'm moving forward. I'm going forward. He thought me, he got me with a, a, a situation that I had no control over, with a marriage that fell apart, or with a situation that, that just destroyed my life. Amen. I'm telling you what, I refuse to miss heaven over my heartbreak hill. I refuse to miss glory over a little bit of crisis in my life. I need resilient faith. You know, they tell us that Heartbreak Hill is only 90 feet tall. But because of where it is, it gets people. Sometimes it's not 
the big things that gets us. It's the little foxes that get us. So I say to you runners today, keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Oh, yeah, remember... Remember, we, we left Jacob all alone. He had sent his family in two camps, and he was waiting all alone on the, on the other side of the brook Jabbok. We pick up the reading in 32 and 22 of Genesis. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the four Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had, and Jacob was left alone. I want you to zero in on that. Jacob was left alone. No MPC choir to encourage you. No praise band thumping out a good, sweet song of worship. There's no message to comfort you. There's no conference that you're at. The fellowship of the, of the hayride and... The soups and the people is all gone and you're left by yourself. There will be times, if it has not happened to you, let me just encourage you, it's coming. There will be times that you will go through things when you will feel like you're all alone. Hurt that is so deep like you can't share it with anybody and you're all alone. There will be times when folks will rather discourage you than encourage you. I was watching a, a video of a, of, a, of a preacher that lost a son who was 17 years old, lost a, the boy, and some, I started to say something that wasn't very nice, so I'm just going to just say some devil. That's, that's not very nice either, but it's true. Some devil walked up to him and said, if you'd been living right, you wouldn't have lost your son. Can I just say that's a bunch of junk from hell? God doesn't work like that. God doesn't work on, on, on a carrot mentality that it holds it out there. Amen. That says, if you'll do this, I, if, I promise you that. If you'll, do, if you'll live for me, I'll, I'll save your marriage. If you'll live for me, I'll do this. No. He says, be faithful. And in that faithfulness, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Because God wants to heal us so we can heal our marriage. But just because you've messed up, just because you're all alone, doesn't mean that you're out of the race. Hear me today. You're not out of the race. Amen. You might have sit down for a minute, but look up. Lift up your eyes. There's a host that's cheering you today. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Pastor, I've gone too far. I've messed up too much. No! There's a God that loves you. That wants you to run. Jacob was alone. Back to verse 24. And he wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not. You know, that had to get... Jacob's goat, because that was all he did was prevail. Win. When he saw he didn't win, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And as he wrestled with him, and he said, Let me go for the day breaketh. 
And Jacob said, I will not let you go except you bless me. This is the thing about Jacob that I love. He was a man that had resilience. Push him down, he gets back up. Changes wages 10 times, he finds a way to overcome. But there's moments when you can't do that in the flesh. You're going to need a touch from heaven that says, come on. You can do it. I'm not letting you go, Lord, until you bless me. I refuse to give in and I refuse to quit. Amen. Resilient faith. Resilient faith. Popping back. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. I've told you this before. I'll tell you again. Corinthian church could not get affiliation with the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Neither would have got affiliation with UPC, PAW, and all the other alphabet soups. They were a church in a mess. <laughs> I am so thankful the Lord writes about churches in a mess. But here's a church that's all messed up. But Paul encourages them in this. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't throw the towel in the ring when you mess up. Get up and go again. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body uh, and bring it into submit, uh, subjection, lest by any means I preach to others and I myself should be a castaway. Amen. What are you saying, Paul? Strive. Run. Get up. Get up again. Get up again and again and again. Strive. Run. Strive. Compete. Go forward. People say living for the Lord, pastor, is tough. Yeah, it's right. But the option, the other part, is the fact you're still going to mess with that whole issues of life. You're still going to find things in this world that are hard. People still die. Things still fall apart. Crises still come. Things do not work out all the time. How much more would I, I, I want to run then if there's a prize waiting for me on the other side? Amen. If there's a prize waiting for me, if there's a day that I could stand up and say, you know what? I made it one more day. Praise God. I'm not what I was. Thank God. I've, I've come closer to the Lord. Amen. I want to encourage you today, dear one, regardless of how long you've been in church, regardless of how long you've run this race, run. Do not quit. Amen. Praise God. I see people that backslide. I see people that walk away from the Lord. And, and I get real spiritual. And I want to sing the song, you, fi- you picked a fine time to leave him. Lucille. You picked a fine time. You're this close to heaven. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what you're going to face in your family tomorrow. You're going to need him tomorrow. You're going to need him next week. You picked a fine time to leave him. You picked a fine time. 
Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience. Somebody say patience. Then say, oh, Lord, I thank you for patience because I'm not praying for it. Run with patience the race that is set before you. Here's the key. Where's your focus? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Somehow Jesus saw joy in the cross. Let's find joy in the race. Let's find joy in this race. Stand with me, please. <clears throat> I'm very thankful for testimonies of people that says, I've never one time thought about leaving the Lord. I have never one time thought, can I just tell you, you haven't been tempted to leave the Lord I, I, would, I would wonder where you are. I've seen some exits for the Austin that I could get off. The enemy has put some things in my place that I could quit. Quit. Just quit. But it's just that one more moment of resilient faith that says, huh, not today. Not today. I've come too far. He's been too good to me. He's blessed me way more than I deserve. Thank the Lord today. Hallelujah. Has he blessed you? Has he blessed you? Brother Gil, I've been through a lot. Yeah, I understand. Get up and keep on running. Don't quit. Don't give in. Don't succumb to the enemy's temptation that says, come on, just throw the towel in the ring. Oh, no. I've come too far. I've come too far. I've come too far. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.